All right, welcome to the first of hopefully many TX Water Polo Podcasts. Today we are going to talk with Joe Linehan about Junior Olympics, news from Texas High School Water Polo, and Water Polo on the Beach. Again, the first of hopefully many TX Water Polo Podcasts. Joe Linehan is here. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Joe has been involved in this game for a long time in the state of Texas. What's what's your story? How long have you been part of this scene? I mean, I started playing water polo when I was nine. I, I grew up in San Antonio, played high school water polo, did the whole USA water polo thing, and went to JOs and swam at the at Junior Nationals, swam at Texas A&M, coached collegiate club, then coached college water polo on the East Coast for five years. Then came and then realized that there was a need for more club water polo and, uh, and went back to Houston in 2003. Started some club water polo there with the Houston Water Polo Club. Then moved up to Dallas in 2009, and uh, was it? Um, then we started some youth club water polo up here, and, and I've worn a few different hats like along the way, as far as you know, uh, you know, zone chair and referees and coach here and coach there and zone team coaches and OEP coaches. So you know, you know, they like the saying goes: if we didn't have conflict of interest, you know, you know, we would have a court. <laughs> well, that's so. a, it's a good point. It's a good segue because uh, the, obviously the Texas water polo community is pretty small, and I could foresee this whole uh, endeavor of doing a, pen, a a podcast like this being what, viewed as having just enormous conflicts of interest. I'm the head coach for ODP. I'm an, a USA Water Polo employee. I've run Total Water Polo, which I've done since 2003. Um, I'm a coach. I'm a, I was a high school coach. I'm still a referee. I'm a coach of a club, so on and so forth. There's just no escaping it. Like there's no way that anybody could just stand back and be completely uh, objective about absolutely everything. Well, the beauty of our sport is we have a lot of passionate people involved. They like to be involved. Um, they yeah, and we have a lot of passionate um, yeah yeah people with a lot of good opinions too. So yes. and I think we both are like that. So. I think we're to say kind of how it is, and uh, and like and let people know kind of kind of where we stand on a variety of topics. So right. it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be fun. So the, the the sport is growing in Texas faster than any other region. I think that's correct. You can always correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and so the, our plans are here is to just simply convene on a weekly basis. We'll talk to some interesting people and try to keep people up to date about what's actually going on in this state. And I know that there is interest about that, not just in Texas, but elsewhere. So it's something that we will delve into a little bit of history. We'll delve into what's going on in the future. Hopefully, obviously, we now we have a, pres- a presence in the NCAA with uh, Austin College. So th- we got a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of good people, and um, this is, I think, going to be a great way to get the word and information out to the masses. So. Good. So it's yeah, gonna be fun. We'll look forward for everybody's feedback, but let's first go into. I mean, the 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 issue of the day: Junior Olympics, right? So we're we're just days away from it, but the state of Texas and the Southwest Zone went through its own qualification process. What can you tell us about uh, about that? Yeah, yeah, just to be brief, there are going to be 41 total teams from the Southwest Zone that are going to be uh, representing um, at the USA Water Polo National uh, Junior Olympics that starts a week from this upcoming Friday. Um, it's the world's largest water polo tournament. There will be almost 1,000 total teams you know, from around the country at this one event in a variety of different age groups and genders. Um, and it's going to be in Orange County. Uh, there are probably going to be about about 40 total courses being used over the course of the 10-day event. 
it's going to be a lot of fun. And for our local Southwest Zone teams, this summer, again, you know, we have the most teams that try to qualify, and then we have the most teams that are going. Just to give you an example, we have 41 total teams going this year from our zone, and last year we had 35 total teams go. Okay. Um, and we had nine clubs uh, represented last year, and then this year we have 11 clubs going. So it is going to be a lot of fun. Um, this Our qualification tournament has has kind of truly grown the last couple of years, or just to give you, like, it wasn't that long ago, probably five or six years ago, that this tournament, our, our qualifier was all divisions, all genders, in one day. Right. Now, we turned it into a two-day tournament, and then we turned it into a three-day tournament, and now we actually, this was our first year that we had a split event. And what I mean by that is, we decided to have the 14s, 12s, and 10 and under divisions on, on one weekend, and then the following weekend, oh, we had the 18s and 16 and under divisions. Right. Um, and we still had 80 plus games on the 18s and 16s. Oh, you know, weekend over three days. There's still a lot of room to grow there with all the various clubs. Yeah, just not everybody had both boys, girls, and all in all in all the different age groups. And then we had our own separate weekend for the 14s, 12s, and 10s. We didn't have any 10 and under divisions yet, but this but this was the first year that we had 14 our girls. Oh, uh, no, we had the most 14 our boys we've ever had. Uh, we've had the most 1,200 boys, you know, we are, uh, yeah, we ever had. But that was a good weekend of water polo. We had over 30 games. Um, and there's a lot of room to grow, you know, on that weekend. Uh, we only had four total clubs kind of kind of enter teams for those events. Right. So it's going to be – there's a lot of growth there. There's 11 total clubs going to JOs. So that's, you know, that's seven clubs that didn't enter the younger age groups. And we all know that the younger age groups are the future. So I hope to see that next year. And what, and what uh, so to maybe to highlight a couple of the, like the big victories in that age group that, cause I, I, if we've spoken about this a little bit earlier, but there are a couple of games that really stood out, at least from my recollection. I mean, there's, I mean, the Pegasus, uh, team for the 14 hundred boys, they were the strongest team by far. Um, the, like the Thunder Black and Southside teams, they kind of gave them some, uh, some, uh, some good games there for three, four quarters. Great. But uh, but but the but the Pegasus group was by far the strongest group for the fourteen hundred boys. The Thunder the Thunder fourteen hundred girls team they were a, they were one of the strongest groups for any of the divisions for all for all the Southwest Zoom yeah the Southwest Water Polo right. Zone girl. Um, they dominated the yeah, their age group up and down the line, uh, and then it was back and forth between you know the Thunder Black and Pegasus for the twelve and under boys. That's so. fantastic, and so so. The, the biggest number of those age groups ever, I'm assuming, from the zone. What about for our 18s and 1600s? Yeah, we had um, we had 29 total teams. Again, we had 81 uh, total games. We had 10 total uh, uh, 18-hour boys teams uh, going for nine total uh, slots for JOs. That's the most we've ever had for that age group. The same for girls. We had eight total teams uh, playing for seven total slots. Um, and then, you know, it was, they were competitive games up and down the line, like the Trident, the Storm, the Viper Pigeons, and the Thunder teams were, were by far the, like, the strongest eight tenor boys teams. Um, for the eight tenor girls, like, you had the Viper Pigeon uh, team, the, like, the, like, the CFWPC team, and the Thunder team were the, definitely the strongest teams there. And then probably two of the best teams that are going to be coming out of our zone, yeah, regardless of division and age group, are going to be the Viper Pigeon 
and Thunder 16 and, and under girls teams. They both have up and down the, the yeah, they both have strong rosters. Yeah, the, yeah, they both had um, kind of athletes that got invited to the national team selection right. camp and yeah, and beyond. And it's going to be fun to watch those teams play. Yeah, that's going to be great. Right, and the competition you mentioned, you have all, a bunch of strong teams, but and and a lot of teams, maybe the most that have ever played in qualifying matches. But the geographic distribution is also really interesting because you had teams from San Antonio, you've got teams from you know Viper Pigeon, and those teams are from the generally speaking the Houston area. Longhorn is from the Austin area, and. Uh, uh, Thunder is from North Texas. Is is that right? I mean, that's that's basically the trend. Is that this this has become more distributed over over the huge area that Texas encompasses? Yeah, I mean, we've uh, we had I believe it was four clubs from uh, the like the like the Houston area. We had four clubs from the North Texas area and three clubs from the Austin area that were represented at the yeah, at the event, and that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, and we even have teams that are. That, that, that we're trying to go from the Rio Grande Valley area. Right. We had original teams from both Houston and Dallas. So there is still a, a lot of room to grow, yes. Yeah, you're and you're a San Antonio guy, so you have to be pretty encouraged by the fact that the, I, what I would call something of a renaissance in that area. Yeah, there's a couple clubs now that are playing, and there's Bernie that's just outside of San Antonio, and then Bill Freeman and Jim Gates just kind of resurrected the San Antonio Water Polo Club Youth Program this past uh, school year. And they've done a great job, and yeah, and they had 15 boys and 15 girls for their 18 under and 18 or boys and girls teams, and they both uh, the boys qualified, the girls didn't, but uh, that was a huge step in the right direction. So I'm looking forward to it. Great. So so Thunder Viper Pigeon 16 and under girls, and maybe Pegasus 14 and under boys. Those are the teams maybe we should be looking out for when they travel to California. Yeah, and I think the and then I also believe that the Viper Pigeon and Thunder Atener boys are going to do well, um, and I think um, I mean up and down the line, the, the number of teams that are going out there and being competitive is at all time high. Um, it's yeah, it's just not. I mean, I still remember ten years ago, it was one club sent uh, eighteen. Wow, and uh, was it um, and that's it. Yeah. So I mean and. Of those teams, there were a couple teams that were stepping foot off the airplane, and everybody was just okay. We're just happy to be here. There were other groups there that that, that were out there to go do some damage and kind of win some games, but you know, it's every team has their goals and their obstacles and such. So it's, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch the results and the teams and kind of and kind of hear back from the teams afterwards and kind of see how they did. There's, I mean, there's going to be teams that are going to that are going to go out there and. The coach are going to make sure that they go to the beach every day, <laughs> you know, to make sure that they have a they have, that they have a good time and come back and yeah and you and the kids are and the coach are going to use that experience to get and make it a rallying cry for next year to get more kids to come out to the club to give those kids that carrot at the end of the summer to qualify for, for the big they have the world's largest water polo tournament. Yeah. So. And you're going correct. Um, I'll probably be out there a, a little bit. Exactly when I'm, uh, I'm still working on. That's so. good because I'm not going. I'm I'm uh, I'm taking the year off. So um, we'll really look forward to hearing what the results are and uh, what your impressions are. And uh, we're gonna take a little break and come back and talk about high school water polo. You're listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Welcome back to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Joe Lynn Ann and James Smith with you. It's time to cover what is 
mixed news, I suppose, about high school water polo in the state of Texas. I think you might want to put a little more of a positive uh, light on it than maybe I would. But what's going on? There was a big meeting recently. Um, and uh, what is, where do we stand in the state of Texas with high school water polo? There's, uh, there, the, there's, a, there's something called the UIL Legislative Council, which um, basically runs high school athletics in the state of Texas, there's a there's a there's a staff that offices down in the city of Austin, and the UIL Legislative Council is made up of 32 superintendents from from throughout the state that operate the intercollegiate activities of of all of all uh, public schools. So they meet every June and every October, and Tisco Water Pole, which runs high school water pole in Texas, has attended this meeting for the last. Uh, seven straight years. Right. And just, just so that everybody knows, I mean, the, the sport in the state of Texas is not actually officially sanctioned, even though it's been growing like crazy and there's teams that have been, become more well-known throughout the country, but it is a club sport. It, it is a club sport. Um, it is a coach-run sport. Um, about 10 years ago, there were about 40 or 50 teams statewide that were playing. Now there's about 175 total schools statewide that are playing. That's schools. A lot of those schools have both Boys, girls, also JV teams playing as well. So there, it has grown a ton over like over the last uh, ten years. The primary reason for that was probably moving from fall to spring. Right, which is which is for those who might be outside of the state of Texas is is almost incomprehensible for some of them. But that that really drove growth uh, more than maybe you could have expected. Well, it I mean it's it, it just eliminated the conflict with high school swimming. Um, High school swimming over the years, it used to be a winter sport in Texas, and over the years, it's just slowly gotten a longer and longer season. Yes, it has. Um, and there are now swim meets in September. So, whenever the decision was made to move the high school water polo season to the spring, it started after the completion of the high school swim season, which, which again, uh, most coaches don't care when it is played, but we just did not want to have that conflict with high school swimming. Yeah. So, um, and once we removed that conflict, a lot more teams wanted to come out and play, which was huge. And it really grew fast and, yeah, and furious. Yeah, so great. Good. And so the last meeting, it was the seventh time in a row or seventh year in a row that, um, that, that Tisco was there at the UIL meeting. What, what can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, we were there like the, like the different legislative council members, the UIL staff. Everybody's saying that Waterpool is doing a great job of making the presentations. There's a lot of positive talk about oh about Waterpool being the next UIL uh, sanctioned sport. And for a lot of people out there, there hasn't been the last sport that was sanctioned by the UIL was wrestling, and that did not and yeah, and that happened in 1997. Yeah, it's been a while since they added a sport. They add activities such as cheer and mariachi. They're doing a lot of work out there, and we're just asking to go and be part of the sport for, you know, to be in that little group of, of, um, of the UIL sports. Now, everybody says it, it takes a lot of time and so, and the wrestling people went every year to every meeting for the, the legislative council for 10 years. Oh, so they yeah, did the same. Got it. So, and that's what everybody's just saying. Just, yeah, just keep coming. And this past June, we got a lot of really positive talk. They're going to be doing a, a like a, a survey of all the superintendents from throughout the state here in late August, early September. And I feel very confident if the numbers come back, 
and a positive and we get over 50 percent of the schools that want to play water polo that uh that it'll just be a matter of time before it's a, it becomes a uil uh, sanctioned sport starting as early as possible 2020 2021 school year right so. and you and you and uh, lots of other people in the state have uh, put out a letter to just about anybody who has anything to do with the sport about um, contacting those superintendents and the and give, give us a little outline of what it is that you think that is going to be helpful from fans families uh, athletes and so on so what we did was uh, we just sent out a list of the positive reasons and the top reasons you had to add water polo as a UIL sanctioned sport. We just asked parents and athletes in their local areas to um, contact their local superintendents and kind of uh, and kind of figure out what is really important for their local high school and their local sports, and just kind of focus on those needs and just send a very positive letter or email to their local superintendent, encouraging them to vote yes, you know, for the sport in the upcoming survey. Right. So, and there's a bit, there is a larger issue. You know that there is an argument behind the scenes about whether this is even a good idea. There are those who believe that keeping it as a club sport gives the sport a ton of flexibility, which it does. Um, what are the, what's the case in favor of UIL uh, sanction? I mean, uh, number one, I think we alluded to this earlier. Uh, the sport, uh, Tisca Water Polo, who yeah, who operates uh, the high school water polo in Texas, is a coach-run organization. And yeah, and what would happen would be the UIL sanctioning the sport would give the sport a lot of validity, and that would allow us to have a lot of growth of the sport. There are currently 450 um, um, high school swim teams that compete in in the UIL. We're at about 175 total schools that. Yeah, yeah, they play water polo. So that's a lot of opportunity for growth just right there. Um, and then also, a lot of our clubs, there are very, there's a lot of different uh, status, yeah, for for the current teams that are playing. There are there are some teams that are that are treated just like a varsity sport at their school. Right. There are others that are just uh, treated as a club sport with yeah with minimal uh, recognition and support. And then there's a few that are just out there on their own. It's a parent that coaches the team, and you know they represent the school, but it's not in an official capacity. And so, therefore, what this is going to help with that kind of that kind of brings you to not everybody's on the same uh, like you know kind of foundation and playing field right now. So we want to bring everybody together and help with you know and take the budget concerns. And work with the lo- like like the parents and the, and the coach. They work with the, their uh, local athletic departments to work for a budget for their local team. And then also, it's the safety of athletes. You know, they're I mean, uh, most of the schools play with like kind of under the insurance auspices of their uh, school districts, but there's some that aren't. They're either self-insured or not insured at all. And then we just want to make sure like it's the safety of all the athletes, all the coaches. And it, and everybody has a level playing field, to, yeah, yeah, to participate in the sport. And lastly, there are some major, major school districts around the state that are waiting for the sport to uh, be sanctioned. And we're talking about uh, Katy, Klein, uh, Fort Bend ISD, the like the Houston ISD. There's up like, and that's only in the Houston area, like the Austin ISD over in. Uh, 
over in um uh, in the Austin area. You have yeah, like you have Northside ISD and Northeast ISD in yeah in San Antonio. Up in North Texas, yeah, you have Dallas ISD, the Fort Worth ISD. These are and like the Frisco ISD. These are some major school districts that are just waiting for the UIL to sanction it, and then they want to add the sport. Yeah. So, so how much do high school water polo coaches get paid? Most of them don't get paid anything. Right. It's it's it's, it's, like, it's an extension of their swim season. There are a couple that might get a small stipend, but most of them don't get paid. Yeah, yeah, they kind of see it as uh, uh, they have the option to just do a study hall with their athletes, or they can just swim their athletes. Or a lot of coaches they just choose to play water polo as a good activity to attract athletes to the sport to help grow their swim teams. And, but at the same time, kind of, yeah, just to give their athletes a reason to train and keep getting better in the water, you know, throughout the, the, uh, the spring season. Right. So. Nothing, nothing about that that's wrong. The, the, but the UIL sanction, at least in theory, will formalize the way that coaches are paid. Oh, correct. Yeah. yeah. I, it, would, it would probably make sure that all the coaches get a stipend. Um, it, would, um, it, it would just, it would, it would take a lot of the gray area out of the sport that is just uh, natural to a coach-run organization. So here, here's one thing that I didn't know when first getting into the subject, which is that the UIL dictates the way that the state championships go. The state is divided into four, and so at the end of any sports season, well, maybe football's an exception because it's just exceptional in the state of Texas, but at any championship, it's basically four teams that are vying for the state championship, and that would be the case as well for water polo, and there are some who would say that that actually detracts from what Tiska's championship is like, which is really fun. It's got 30, you know, a bunch of teams, 32 teams that are, that, that all descend on some, uh, on some pool, and they play it out over the, the course of two days, and very exciting, big crowds at the end, and so on. Is there, is that a valid critique of, uh, of the UIL sanction? I mean, I kind of see it as this. We don't know exactly how the state championship is going to be run for water polo. That'll be addressed once it becomes once it becomes a sanctioned sport. The UIL kind of kind of will work with Tisca Water Polo and the coaches or organization to develop what's going to be best for the sport. So it it might be a four team tournament, and that's fine. So then that just kind of brings the importance of the region championships. Right. Yeah, yeah, just kind of back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's and it's and it's going to make the. Uh, um, the state championship that much more special um, if you do qualify because because uh, currently there are uh, there are, there are sixteen boys teams and sixteen girls teams yes and it's a and it's a great event and it's a, and it's a great tournament but I, yeah yeah but I would argue that's uh, sixteen teams out of one hundred and seventy five yeah yep I would rather have four out of you know four hundred <laughs> that's a good point yeah. Well, just for the record, I'm actually in favor. When I when we first started talking about this in maybe 2011 or so, there I thought the the argument for the club for maintaining club status is actually a pretty decent one, but I've come around almost completely on this. There are things that are still need to be tightened up, but um, it's it seems pretty clear that the the road to growth for high school water polo, which is what everybody gets all passionate about, it's the reason I even started Total Water Polo years ago, is is prep collegiate water polo. So this is, so given all of that, they meet again in October. Do you have any, what's your forecast for the next, you know, 18 months? 
I mean, so the um, the survey is going to come out to the superintendents in late August, early September, and then the UIL is going to get back the results of the survey. And depending on the results of the survey, they will either bring water pole to the uh, like the meeting in October and present it as a, as an official sport to the UIL Legislative Council. Um, if the numbers don't come back just yet, then it'll be the like, like the sport will be continued to be monitored and then. You know, the Tisca water pole will get with the UAL staff to talk about the next step. So, but either way, if it is a sanctioned sport and they uh, and they officially vote on that this October, it's going to be a lot of work between October of 2019 to February of 2021 to get everybody on the same page right. and working together. I mean, there's, I mean, again, the best part about the UAL kind of coming in and kind of mandating specific rules throughout the sport is going to be, again, everybody's going to be on the same level playing field. All the coaches are going to have to go through the same processes. Um, and there's going to be some coaches that like the processes. There will be other coaches that don't like it, just like every other UAL sport. So, But it's going to be everybody's going to be on the same level playing field, and it's going to take some time to do that. And um, there have been a ton of very good people throughout the years that have worked really, yeah, that have worked really, really hard on this. You know, from Mac McDonald to Chris Cohen to Scott Slay. You know, um, I'm just looking forward to seeing the opportunity for those coaches, for all the athletes. To hopefully, this is going to happen here in the next couple of years. And hey, if it if they decide to get a monitor and it's not going to start till the 2022 season, that's okay. We can still keep growing the sport. We can still keep improving our coach organization. Oh, we can still keep improving our referee like organization, um, and we can st- and then we can st- still keep growing the sport because there are teams that add every year, every year. They just want to have something for their athletes. They want to use the sport to help grow their swim teams. Yeah. The reasons to add the sport are numerous, and I mean. I mean, and I'm looking forward to, to it someday um, right. becoming a UAL sport. Well, 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 and, and, and I do believe it's going to be sooner rather than later. So. Good. We'll, we'll look forward to the meeting in October. And uh, obviously, there's so much more about high school water polo to talk about. Um, and we will do that in the course of uh, in coming months. But right now, we'll take another break. We'll come back. We'll talk about, uh, we'll just wrap things up. There's a couple of other events coming on the calendar that are super interesting. And so we'll talk about that right after this. Our final section with Joe Linehan on the TX Water Polo Podcast, just wrapping a couple things up. There's a couple more events that are coming up on the calendar, one of which, of course, piques my interest. It's uh, the first beach water polo tournament in the state of Texas that I can recall. Years ago, there was a um, collegiate club tournament at Lake Travis in Austin. And since then, I don't recall any. So this is this is a new event that... Uh, that uh, has only emerged in the in the past couple months. What what can you tell us about that? Well, it's going to be uh, run by Zilla Water Polo, which is a local Austin club team, and it's going to be run at a water park on Lake Travis. Um, they have a nice beach area, and there's a and there's some nice little concrete places to where we can hook up a couple courses. And it's going to be three total courses. It's going to be the weekend before Labor Day. It's August twenty fourth and twenty fifth, and. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be for age group teams only. Um, uh, you know, we're hoping to get about 30 to 35 total teams out there, and everybody gets four or five total games, and the athletes also get access to 
the, like you know the water park to have some fun between their games. Excellent. Uh, so it's so um, the, the like the details are still being worked out, and I believe the the final information to be sent to all the club teams here by early next week. So. Fun. And then another another one to sort of wrap up the summer season in in uh, North Texas uh, in early August. It's a new one on the calendar, right? Yeah, um, it's going to be called the like the Titan Summer Spectacular. It's going to be for from 12 and under all the way up to open men and open women. And then we're going to have the different divisions, and it's going to be essentially the end of the summer season. It's going to be August 3rd and 4th at the Louisville ISD Eastside Aquatic Center. And the reason that it came about was the National Junior Olympics is great. It's a great event to go to, but not everybody gets to go to that. Not all clubs get to participate in that. And we wanted to have an event at the end of the summer that did not conflict with the National Junior Olympics, but it also gave an opportunity for athletes, clubs, to finish their season locally with a nice, positive like event. Um, the National Junior Olympics, it used to go into August. Right. Into early August. And nowadays, it ends in July. So our athletes here in Texas, they don't start school till mid-August. So there's that there's that dead portion. So, uh, like, uh, essentially, our season has been, uh, like, a week less. Yeah. So this is going to allow us to keep that carrot out there for those athletes to keep training, those team, those clubs to keep training that don't participate in JOs or just give, like, the athletes that go to JOs another opportunity to come back home and play and end the season on a very positive note. And plus hosted by a new club, right? It's going to be hosted by the Titan Water Pole Club, yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, anything else we should cover before we sign off? No, I think that was a good start, James. So a reminder, everybody, you can email us. You can find us at pod at txwaterpolo.com. On Twitter, we're at txwaterpolo. Facebook, txwaterpolo. Instagram, tx underscore waterpolo. And, of course, txwaterpolo.com. I want to thank Joe, of course. Thanks for coming on. And our hosts, Red Circle. And thank you for listening and want to encourage you to tell a friend about the TX Water Polo Pod. See you next week. Brought you close to me.